This is why you should travel everywhere with gaffer tape. This is the real reason we have to have gaffer tape. It has been nothing to do with fixing backpacks. It's because we fixed a van in the Gobi Desert. This is the Travel Freedom Podcast. I'm Tomo. And I'm Megzi. And it's time to collect your ticket to world travel and a location-independent lifestyle. Every Thursday, we'll show you how we travel the planet in style, full-time, for as little as $200 per person per month. And every Monday, we interview digital entrepreneurs who reveal the methods to creating a location-independent online income. So subscribe on iTunes now and discover travel freedom for yourself with the Travel Freedom Podcast. This is Travel Thursdays, episode 035. In this episode, we get the real Mongolian homestay experience. So we're about to have breakfast in a Kazakh Hager in the northwestern Mongolia. And one of the best things we get to eat for breakfast is fresh cream. So yeah, this cream is made from yak's milk. It almost looks like ice cream. It's just been freshly made. And actually it tastes a lot like clotted cream that you get in England. You might not know what clotted cream is, but it's basically the dirtiest, tastiest, filthiest cream ever. And our Trans-Mongolian adventure doesn't run as smoothly as we'd hoped. We'd been used to the Russian military van situation, but instead we were now in a Chinese minivan. Not quite as robust. In fact, the roadworthiness of this van came into question very early on in the three to four day trip that should have probably been two days when they decided, oh, the gearbox isn't really working anymore. So we're going to stop and we're going to fix it permanently into third gear so we don't have to shift. Hello, everybody. Hi, everyone. It's another Travel Thursday. And this is a very special Travel Thursday because we're specifically talking about Mongolia. Yes, which yes. is quite an adventure for us. Oh, crazy, crazy month that was. Uh, the season is just starting again this year right now, sort of May through to September, late September, early October. And so we thought we'd do a bit of a special episode and talk about some of the things we got up to. I don't think we're even going to fit in all of the crazy shit we got up no, to. No, it was a massive, massive month that we spent there during the summer of 2013. And it was just probably like one of the craziest things we've done so far in all of our yeah. travels. As adventures go, so many different stories and things occurred during that trip. Yeah. But we want to talk at least about a few of them today. We actually refer to Mongolia as being our favorite country in the world that we kind of don't really want to visit again. <laughs> that I never really want to visit again it was hard it was really hard but there was amazing scenery incredible memorable moments and experiences that we had that you just can't have elsewhere in the world yeah it's one of those places especially when you go way far west and we did an east to west trip all the way from the Chinese border in the east to the Chinese border in the west. That's a lot of kilometers. I've forgotten how many it is. It's a, a couple lot. of thousand kilometers or something crazy like that that we did all overland with just one train ride and the rest was all off-roading. It's just ah. Uh, mental, mental place. And in that far west region, the people there have barely been touched by tourism at all. They've probably met one or two foreigners in their life, maybe. It's just crazy. So let's get on with that, actually. I think for today, we're going to jump straight into a little bit of local live feature stuff that we recorded whilst we were there. Because one of the most amazing experiences we actually had was doing the Nomad Stay with people who weren't just set up for tourists, with actual nomads who don't generally host people. But we were lucky. We found a guide who actually his family lived in that area and we picked him up by accident. So we were off in northwestern Mongolia, which actually it's more culturally Kazakh. So Olgi is the name of the main town there. And I say main town, but I mean... Tiny little place that happened to have a couple of things. Like four, four hotels and three restaurants. And yeah, there wasn't a lot to it, but you know. It was a dingy sort of Eastern Bloc ex-Russian sort of place. Very much so. Very concrete. It's not a place that you want to set up a holiday house. Sort of miserable. But of course, that's not where we were doing the Nomad Stay. We were heading out 
in the Russian van across into the wilderness and ending up staying with some guys. So I think let's roll the first live clip and you'll get a little bit more of an idea of what we're talking about. Tonight we're spending the night in a gur. We're out in the middle of nowhere. We're surrounded by mountains and cattle. So <laughs> this is a real nomad family's gur. And currently preparing some tea, which will warm our bellies quite nicely, I'm sure. So the gur that we're talking about is a Mongolian tent that they can pack up on a whim and just move around and go anywhere. Yeah, this isn't like some tiny little two-person tent either. Like, these things are their entire homes. They're huge. Yeah, if you've never had the opportunity to see one, sort of, I know they have them at festivals now. I know, they're becoming uber chic. Yeah, and they're really fancy with, like, a double bed in the middle and fine linens. And, like, this is not like that at all. Eventually, we had blankets on the floor, quite a few blankets, because you're trying to cut out that cold feeling from the ground. Yeah, even though it was summer at night time, the temperature dropped, like, because it's still by the desert and stuff. And so it's just like, boom! Even in the grasslands, it got cold at night. Yeah, totally. Depending on which area we were in. Obviously, in Olgi, we were in the grasslands. We'd, uh, we're going to talk about the Gobi Desert a bit later on in this episode. But there was this sort of feeling, because it's all very family-orientated, so everyone shares everything. Everyone is sort of there together. You probably have the whole family living in one girl, or there might be a second girl if it's a big family, or you might have two or three families that are sort of cousins or like connected, extended family all in a little group. But that would be it, like three or four girls maximum in one place. And maybe they've got a motorbike and a couple of other things for agriculture. And they're, all their sheep and goats and yaks. Horses and horses. whatnot. Yeah, they, a lot of people still get around on horses. Oh, yeah. They're some of the best horse riders I've ever seen. Like, you see some little kid jump on a horse and he just, like, works that like a freaking pro. But it's crazy how you really are in that complete wilderness. You get up in the morning and you get out of the gur and you look around and go, holy shit, we are the only people here. <laughs> yeah. For kilometers and kilometers, there is no Nothing. other family. Everyone's got their own sort of agreement over this is my patch. I'm sure there are feuds about it. We didn't get involved in any of the politics. But yeah, you really are out on your own. And when you're there, of course, it's important and would be disrespectful not to enjoy some of the the offerings, Uh, some of which are better than others. others. So I think let's get into a live clip from one of the things that we were sort of were forced to drink on many occasions whilst we were in Mongolia. Fresh mess milk or fermented mess milk? It's fermented. Fermented is not uh, not the fresh is uh, cleaning your inside. Oh, so it's bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go to the toilet. It's fermented. It's uh, good. One person is not uh, hard. Can if I drink not hard, ten liters. Yeah, it's okay. But uh, when it's fermented, this this means it has alcohol. Yeah, it's uh, maybe less than beer. Yeah, so just a little bit of alcohol. It's very low in alcohol. Maybe about two percent. So you have to drink a lot of it. And they do. Yeah, down the hat. Yeah, that sour sort of flavor. And a yeasty, yeah. got a yeasty smell. Do they put something in it for it to no, ferment? No. It just ferments by itself. Yeah, by itself. Yeah. And then already they leave uh, some few liters and then add new one and mix, mix all day and then it becomes permanent. So it was quite interesting because on that western side of Mongolia, once we got there, everyone was actually Muslim, whereas on the other side, they're not. Mongolian traditionally isn't, but Kazakh is. And as we said in the clip, there's actually alcohol in the mare's milk. As it ferments, it naturally creates an alcohol in it. And the funny thing is we asked them about this because Muslims traditionally are not allowed to drink 
alcohol. And we're like, so why is it that you can still drink mare's milk? And they were like, oh no, it's okay. We were doing this before Islam, so that's fine. Yeah, that's really the explanation. It's just a given. There is no sort of questioners like, oh, but contradicting the doctrine of Islam. Yeah, but we've always done this, so it's okay. Yeah, they were like, we were another religion before Islam came along, so eh, it's okay. We like it. Still, what we obviously didn't want to offend anybody whilst we were there, but the mare's milk is a very, very strong flavor. I think it is an acquired taste. Yeah, but it also is very precious to them as well, so it's not something that can be wasted. No, you have to finish the bowl. If they give you a bowl of mare's milk, you have to grin and bear it and drink your way through. Some people enjoy it. One of the guys that we spent a few days with before we got to Western Mongolia loved it, and he was loved lapping it. up bowl He's after bowl. finishing everyone else's. Yeah, that's another story. As we said, we've got millions of stories from Mongolia. But let's get into another clip right now. There was the question of entertainment, of course. If you just spend all your time sitting in a girl herding sheep, you want to have something to do. And the main form of entertainment, apart from the chatting, which we couldn't get involved in because we didn't speak any of the local language, was music, in fact. Music um, brings the masses together. Yes, it does. And the guys we were staying with actually had this two-stringed guitar. It's called a dombra, the really traditional instrument. There's lots of different stringed instruments in the region, actually, but that's the one that they had. Let's have a little bit of a listen to our time with them. <laughs> So yeah, it was really nice. The whole family were just singing together and the father played guitar and his daughter played guitar really well also. And then the neighbors all came in to listen. Yeah, especially when they said that because they had heard I play oh, guitar. Two string guitar, just guitar, <laughs> that apparently that means I was gonna have to do a rendition of something. I'm pretty sure we're gonna get yet another copyright infringement, sort of three episodes in a row for this, but just a very short clip. I gave it my best. Now, aside from drinking the mare's milk and enjoying a bit of entertainment, one of the other really, really traditional things that we got to be involved in, and it's really quite a privilege because a lot of tourists who go to Mongolia never get to do this with a real nomad family, is we got to eat the five fingers meal. Yeah, so this is actually whole boiled lamb. Head, feet, eyeballs, organs, the lot. It all goes in and it boils up for who knows whatever amount of time. But it is a big family meal that you all go and you all wash your hands and you all sit around this big round table on the floor and you just dig in with, with your, your five, five fingers. fingers. Yeah, yeah, that's how it's done. Now, there are certain parts of the lamb that are more coveted than others. So if you happen to be at the table and you get offered an eyeball, that is quite an honor. Yeah, in fact, every different organ is traditionally associated with a different member of the family. So if you're like the firstborn daughter, you might get one particular organ. If you're the head of the family, you might be reserved the eyeball, possibly. I mean, the old guy who was staying, who was clearly the grandfather, he was straight on the eyeballs. He wasn't messing around. We didn't around. even have a hope. Not that I was, you know, wanting to dig into eyeball, but they were gone. But yeah, we all sat down and we just shared this meal. There was about seven of us, I think, sharing this meal. Our guide as well, who was a family member. He knew these people are like cousins of his. And yeah, you just dig in. It's a big plate of meat. There is nothing else. In fact, I got the recipe off them. What you do is you take one lamb whole, you boil water, you put lamb in water, 
add a tiny bit of salt and then place lid serve. over and leave to boil. That's the recipe. So it's quite simple. I think you can probably handle that at home if you want. I don't know if it's something that would be of interest, but yeah. And then place whole lamb on big plate, cut into lots of pieces and eat. So we had a lot of lamb whilst we were in Mongolia, but it was just very interesting to see. This is something they've been doing for hundreds of years. Every single family has this meal. Yeah, pretty amazing. It's very traditional and we're very lucky to be involved, but I don't really want to eat lamb. As we said at the start again. of the episode, it's the most amazing country you've ever been that we never want to go again. So yeah, you know, still, we're not trying to knock it. It's awesome. Please go. Like Mongolia is very fascinating. Of course, there was some food that we actually really enjoyed. So we're going to play a clip for you right now. So we're about to have breakfast in a Kazakh Hager in the northwestern Mongolia. And one of the best things we get to eat for breakfast is fresh cream. So yeah, this cream is made from yak's milk. It almost looks like ice cream. It's just been freshly made. It actually tastes a lot like clotted cream that you get in England. You might not know what clotted cream is, but it's basically the dirtiest, tastiest, filthiest cream ever. Mm. It's just super rich. And if you've never had clotted cream, you just can't understand what that flavor would be like, but it's amazing. So yes, it wasn't all lamb and mare's milk. The breakfast cream was phenomenal. Oh, daddy, daddy. <laughs> Fatty, fattiness. Okay, now we do want to give you a few tips on how you can actually make these experiences happen for yourself. Because as we probably mentioned earlier, and you might be guessing, it's there's two types of stays. There that you is can definitely get. two there's types. The real nomadic stay, and then there's the tourist stay. Yeah, and we found like one of our top tips is even if you're being sold a nomadic stay, if it's quite close to Ulaanbaatar, the capital, which is where all the tours start from, like literally everything starts from there, then those ones that are within a few hours drive, even if they are technically nomads, they make most of their income from having people stay with them every night. Yeah. So that they have a thing set up already. They know what the tourists want. It's not going to be that authentic. It's still quite authentic compared to other countries you go to where it will be all set up. You know, it's like partially set up. It just felt a little put on. Yeah, Because we did drop by one when we first left Ulaanbaatar. We didn't sleep there, but we passed by one. And it just seemed a little puppety, like put on. I yeah. don't know. The food's already cooking. It's like, come it in, right. pay us $2 for this food. And that's not how it worked. When we stayed in the real nomadic stay we paid them sort of five dollars each for a space on the floor and the food and everything you just pay them some money you say thanks for letting us stay and you get the whole deal yeah and they just put out like so much like food after food after tea after tea and it wasn't expected that it's like oh you had another tea that you're gonna have to pay for that no exactly it wasn't charged like that it was just donate something to the family to help them out to buy fuel for the motorbike and that sort of thing so also apart from getting away from Ulaanbaatar the other thing is really really simple actually you just have to tell your guide I do not want to stay in a tourist girl because they think you do. That's pretty normal. Mongolians who've got money and go on holiday, they want to stay in a luxury girl with a really nice bed if they can afford it. You know, but if that's not what you're looking for, if you want a real homestay, sleep on the floor type style, you just got to ask, ask them. Yeah. yeah. Because when we actually said, look, this is the experience we really want, they're like, oh, yeah. Oh, well, we're going to the wrong place then. I can take you to my family. Yeah. So that's another thing. Just be like, do you have any family that's nomadic? Because we could stay with them if that's all right. And usually they're like, yeah, of course, because it's a very hospitable culture where it's like, please, travelers, come and stay with us and we welcome you into our home. Okay, everyone. Story Corner is back. Mm, story Corner. <laughs> What's that? No idea. I've given up trying to That's guess. Just generic accents. Can you do a Genghis Khan one? Oh, story corner. Yeah. Okay, I'll give you that. Yeah. Fair enough. That was all right. Yeah. Shit, you're being 
You're actually saying that I did good? Well, I don't know what Genghis Khan sounds like, so I'm just going to go with the flow, right? No one even knows where he's buried, let alone what he sounds like. No, but apparently secretive. we're all, like, there's like 11% of the world is related to him. I heard it was 6%, but I don't know. No one knows. Google it. We'll have to Google it. Because I don't know anything about his DNA, so what are you supposed to do? Anyway, yes, yeah, Story Corner is back. It has been a few episodes since we've done a Story Corner, I believe. Oh, I must be missing But that. as we said at the start of the episode, we got a lot of stories from Mongolia. So many, in fact, that we might have to do, like, two or three more episodes about Mongolia for future times yeah, in the magic kucha. Wow, yeah. So much crazy shit went down in Mongolia. And one of the craziest of the crazy shits that went down, which is a very weird way of starting this story, was we broke down in the Gobi Desert. Yeah, it wasn't fun. It, no. it wasn't an adventure. I believe the Gobi is known as the driest desert in the world. Yeah. So how did we come to be in the middle of the Gobi Desert? Well, we were traveling from a town called... Moron. Moron. It's actually called Murin. 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 We can't pronounce it correctly. But it's actually like spelt moron. Yeah. So it's easy. If you want to find it, just type moron into Google Maps. So we were traveling from there across parts of the Gobi Desert so that we could get to the next town that we were hoping to get to, which was... Kovt. 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 But anyway, it wasn't like a Russian military van that we'd been previously traveling in. Because those things are unbreakable. We'd been used to the Russian military van situation, but instead we were now in a Chinese minivan. Not quite as robust. In fact, the roadworthiness of this van came into question very early on in the three to four day trip that should have probably been two days, when they decided, oh, the gearbox isn't really working anymore, so we're going to stop and we're going to fix it permanently into third gear so we don't have to shift. Yeah, and that was about six hours into the three, four-day journey. Yeah, we should have been thinking at that point, ah, this is a problem. We hadn't paid them all the money. I think we paid half up front with half to come. So... We decided to stick it out. We figured this would be an adventure. We may or may not die. It will be a good story, which it is. It is. So, yeah, a few hours later, we got to the fringe of the Gobi Desert. We were driving a while. It was probably, it was almost a full day in before we got to the desert. Actually, shit, no, it was probably the second day when we got to the desert. It was the second day. We'd been going through a lot of grasslands and we'd finally hit the desert and traveling through. It had been a very long day. And it just so happened that the guys hit a bump in a really weird kind of way and tore a massive hole in the radiator. Yeah, and the oil sump. So literally all of the oil just came out of the bottom of the van. Yeah, bam, no oil. Radiator had literally cracked. So it was just water pissing out and steam spraying everywhere. So yeah, we weren't going anywhere for a while. We pulled up and they were like, oh, Oh, we'll be able to fix this. They didn't speak any English, but we enjoyed the sort of the grunts and noises and Uh, guessing. The funny thing is they have a man box. Oh, the man box. Yeah, so it's just a box of random, it's not even tools and stuff. It's just bits and pieces of nuts and bolts and Mm. spare bits of metal and whatever shit they've happened to collect along the way. It's like, oh... That's a spare part. I'll just throw that in the man box. Hey, It'll come in handy one day. I found some metal on the floor. Put uh, it in the man box. man box. We'll use that. And so they continuous. What they do is they'll pull out the man box and they've got like a, a sheet and they just dump all the contents of the man box onto the sheet and just sort of rifle through it all to try and find what could fit into this gigantic hole. They did this a number of times and it didn't seem like they were really getting anywhere with it. Eventually, I actually lent them some of my precious gaffer tape. This is why you should travel everywhere with gaffer tape. This is the real reason we have to have gaffer tape. It has been nothing to do with fixing backpacks. It's because we fixed a van in the Gobi Desert. Although we only fixed part of the radiator with that, there was still more damage to do. So yeah, we pulled off a little bit and they were like, nah, 
no, this ain't going to work. So it was getting dark by that point and everyone went, okay, give up. We're going to have a sleep. And we love the way that they announced bedtime. <laughs> the sun had just gone down. It was 9 p.m. And they went, you sleep. Okay, you sleep now. <laughs> like, we're like, but we're what? not tired. You sleep. And honestly, we thought that they wouldn't be tired either. But they were snoring within like two minutes. Yeah, literally they went, you sleep, we sleep. They lay down, they're asleep. They're like, you are kidding me. These Mongolians are amazing sleepers. They can sleep a anywhere and be like on cue they can sleep in the van whilst it's going 60 miles an hour off-road over massive bumps we're being bucketed around we can barely stay in our seat and the guy in the front is just asleep out not the driver fortunately but the passenger i'm like what <laughs> yes. the hell how are you sleeping through this incredible sleepers I've snoring ever encountered. snoring through it whilst we can't even stay in our seat and insane Anyway, we got up the next day, we're like, crap, how much longer are we going to be stuck here? They haven't got any parts, they obviously can't fix it. And the first thing that they did, rather than opening the bonnet and giving it another go, the driver came in and he's like, oh, I need water. I was like, okay, well, I guess he's got to fill the radiator up to try and make sure that's working. We haven't got very much water. They didn't bring any of their own water. We're or like, food. Or food. They had like a pack of biscuits or something between three of them. And we had like a whole supply, like four days supply of food because we're like, well, we want food, right? We don't want to starve. And we brought quite a few bottles of water because we were like, yeah, four days in the desert. We don't want to end up dead, do we? They didn't bring any water. No. They had like one bottle of water when they left. And after that, they drank that. And they were like, oh, can we have your water? Can we have your water? I was like, um, I don't know. Do I want to be dehydrated and die or what's going on? So I'm like, okay, he's got to fix the radiator. So he needs the water. Fine take it he didn't go and fix the radio no he decided to have a shave yeah with our precious drinking water he had a bit of a wash and a shave two liters of water on shaving because that's necessary i'm like seriously and the, nothing was fixed yet we didn't know how much longer we were going to be stuck there yeah no idea at all so eventually although we're on well let's say it's a major route which meant maybe every 30 minutes someone drove past so we'd sit and we'd wait and then someone would drive past and they'd hail them down and they'd try and get some stuff. Uh, eventually this massive convoy of lorries, like three really big trucks turned so up. So lucky they turned Yeah, up. really lucky because those guys were pretty well stocked and they had this liquid metal stuff, which is like a putty that you can put in the hole and then it starts to fuse. So they, with the combination of this putty that I gave them money to buy because they didn't have money either, apparently they'd, they'd already spent the 200,000 turgics I gave them in the first place, which is like... $150. They went and tried to fix the thing. They used all their bits from the man box and eventually they actually did seal it up, which I was there stunned going, uh, you've fixed a hole the size of the golf ball in the bottom of this oil sump. With bits and pieces of yeah. random bolts and nuts all put together and this yeah. metal putty. And like, stuff. how does this vehicle still go forward? Like, but it, it worked does. and we were going yeah. and we let off a cheer of happiness. Yeah. Until the next time we broke down. But that's for another story corner. Mm, yes. <laughs> the breaking down was not over, nor were the rest of our journey. But still, remember, next time you're stuck in the Gobi Desert, if the Mongolian driver asks you for water, he's probably quite confident that you're not going to die. Yes. <laughs> and also, if you are stuck in the desert, it makes sense to get yourself some insurance. Because if you are in serious trouble and you do need to call out like international rescue, or is that Thunderbirds? That's Thunderbirds. That's Thunderbirds. Or Team must, America. Team America. I don't know. There must be some sort of international rescue service, but they're probably going to charge you quite a lot if they want to uh, sort of go out into the middle of Mongolia. And I don't know how you. much they can come and rescue you from the middle of Mongolia, but they can help you up for any costs incurred 
from rescue teams to come and get you. Well, that's what we mean. Yeah. World Nomads Insurance will not be sending a helicopter for your rescue, but if you can find someone who does have a helicopter and you desperately need to be rescued, then they'll probably pay for it. Only if you're covered by them, though. Well, yes. If you do want to get 5% off your policy, use our link, travelfreedompodcast.com slash worldnomads. That lets them know that we are telling you about the insurance, which is important for us. So you can use <laughs> our link, travelfreedompodcast.com slash worldnomads, and pick up your insurance policy with a 5% discount if you use our code as well, WN5DP. Well, we did have a lot more stuff that we wanted to talk about in this episode, but we are already out of time. That's a uh, very poor planning on our part. Yeah, we're sorry about that, but we might break this up into a couple of different episodes because Mongolia is a really big, interesting place. And, you know, we really just want to make sure we give you some great information about it. Yes, so you can tune in for part two next Thursday. That's going to be episode 37. And then if there is a part three, we'll let you know when that's coming up as well. So in the next part, hopefully we will be talking about the secret Nadam festivals, the ones that you do not hear about on the news and the ones that do not get advertised for tours. We actually had to force our agent to phone up the tourism authority and find out where the hell and what dates the other Nadams were. Because I said to them, look, I've done a load of online research and I found out this town is supposed to have one really late this month. And even our agent was like, no, I'm pretty sure they're all finished. Turns out we actually saw two more Nadam festivals after that date. Yeah. So even the agents don't necessarily know. You might have to do some of your own research and we're going to help you with that information in our next Mongolia episode. Other thing that we wanted to talk about was how we did $33 per day in a country that's actually really expensive and hard to get around. We have not got time to cover it. I'm very sorry about this, but believe me, we do have good information on that. That's what we managed to achieve. And we're going to come back to you in that next episode about both of those things that I just mentioned. But right now it is almost the end of the show. So it is... Travel homework time. Mm -hmm. So even if you have never thought about visiting Mongolia, maybe you should. Now I know we said that it's like our favorite place we never want to visit again, but it's still amazing. So we've yeah. got two videos that we actually put together that we're going to have links to in our show notes. So what we want you to do is go to our show notes, have a look at our videos and see whether or not Mongolia might be the experience for you. Yep. Travelfreedompodcast.com slash 035 for the show notes and take a look. Really, it's stunning scenery. Leave you us some comments. Let us know what you think. Yeah. Leave comments on the show notes. We don't mind. Thanks for listening to the Travel Freedom Podcast. Show notes and resources for this episode are waiting for you at TravelFreedomPodcast.com. So join us again for Money Mondays to learn how to supercharge your online income. Or for Travel Thursdays, where we'll help you travel like a prince on a pauper's budget. We are waiting for your comments and feedback. So tweet us at MyTravelFreedom. Or email info at TravelFreedomPodcast.com. I'm Tomo. And I'm Megzy. Catch us again on Mondays and Thursdays on the Travel Freedom Podcast. Bye for now. Bye.